And so I want to get set aside the thing that makes the scripture hard for us to hear. I want to start by explaining that this has hyperbole in it, exaggerated language. And this was an oratory device that was very, very common uh, then as it is now. I mean, how often did I say to my children, I've told you a thousand times. Well, I didn't tell them a thousand times, or maybe by now I have, I'm not sure. But it's that exaggeration figure of speech to make it clear. Because no one is good except for God. And the use of the word good there is, is a complete integrated perfection. And so he's saying no one is perfect except for God. And, and then we say, well, Jesus, you are God incarnate. So that means you're good. And then we can get ourselves in that, that loop instead of just him trying to say, okay, let's set our sights on God. And it's God who's calling us to be good. And then he says, talking about how it's hard for, for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's easier to put a camel through the eye of a needle. And now, there's two ways to look at this. The eye of a needle, you know, a needle, even if you had a big needle and a camel, it's not going to work. Uh, the other thing is, they lived in walled cities. And the big gates of the city were open during the day for commerce to come back and forth through. And then at night, they were closed and, and their, the bars were put in place so that the city was secure. And the only door you could go in and out was this little curved door next to the big door that they called the Eye of the Needle. Now, camels don't duck. So to get a camel through the Eye of the Needle, you can get them through it, but camels don't naturally duck to go through something. And so no matter which metaphor we use, it works. It is really, really hard if we put our riches first. And then Jesus talks about all the don'ts. Laid out with the Ten Commandments, what should we not do? Don't do these things. And we get that. But then we're required to do things. And sometimes being required to be, to take action is even harder. It's not just what we don't do, it's also what we do do. It's like reducing our life to bumper stickers. You're either the one who has the one with the most toys when he dies wins, or coexist. And some of the question is, what bumper sticker do we want stamped on our lives? So we ask again, what must we do? One of the things is to truly believe that we have an abundant God. That there is enough for everyone, even though not everyone has enough. And that takes 
generosity. Generosity is a learned character trait. I mean, our children just set up a, a perfect example. You know, Brianna, she's the littlest of six. You know, sharing is not an easy thing. But it's a character trait that we develop in our children, and we hope that it is something we take through our lives. And it involves both our attitudes and our actions. It's not just a haphazard thing that occasionally we are generous, but it is the basic orientation of our lives to live generous lives. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is calling us to live generous lives. And generosity involves giving not just anything, but giving the things that benefit others. It's not about just giving the stuff we're discarding and don't want and that has no value, but to truly be able to give that which benefits someone else. And generosity can mean many things. Generosity mean, can mean you're giving money, you're giving your stuff, your possessions, giving your time, giving your attention, giving encouragement, giving of yourself, your emotional availability. And when we give generously, we're enhancing the well-being of someone else. We are enhancing their well-being. And then we have to understand that life is a gift. And when we see the world and our lives as a gift from God, that allows us to be connected in a web of reciprocity. It connects us and weaves us together. And it truly makes us happy. It also makes us accountable. Gifts change our relationship to the thing, whatever it is. Say you go to the store and you buy a wool hat. And you put it on and you wear it through the winter and it keeps your head warm and your ears warm. But you're not especially connected to it. But if your beloved aunt knit you a wool hat that you wear and it keeps your head warm and it covers your ear and you know it was knitted with love thinking about you, you know that it's a precious gift and you treasure it in another way. Thinking of life and all that we have and all that we are as a gift from God changes our relationship to how we live our life. Then we have to ask ourselves, are we a citizen or are we a consumer? Citizens choose to create a life, a neighborhood, a world from their gifts and the gifts of others. Consumers 
surrender to others the power. We give up that power that is essential for a full and satisfying life. Consumerism is, and, and it comes in, by many, many different names. It can come by client, patient, student, fan, audience, shopper, consuming things. And it's not about the shopping. It's about the transformation of citizens into consumers. We give up our power when we just consume. And we are not responsible citizens. Where we have that give and take, sharing from our abundance, giving that which we need to do to build others up. So what? What must we do? We are like that rich man who maybe is living a good life, but is afraid to give up that, give up the wealth to follow Jesus, to give up all of that that puts him in a position in the community, that lifts him up above others. We need to take stock of what we have. We have to honestly look and say, what gifts, what blessings do we have? And be thankful for those, to be grateful for them. Thankful for the shelter that we have for our families, for the food that we have on our tables to feed our families. Grateful for this place where we come together to worship God and support each other. And after we take stock of all that, we need to choose. We need to choose to give from our abundance. And it's a choice. It's a character trait. It's a way of life, giving that which will benefit others. And then we need to be grateful, grateful for the gifts that we receive, grateful for all the abundance in this world, for the beauty of this earth, for the kindness of our family and friends and neighbors, and for the strangers that we meet. We need to learn to be grateful for the small things. And then we're not so afraid to share some of the larger ones. So what must we do? We must turn our hearts first to Jesus in prayer, in depth, so that we can understand that God has got us. It's okay. We don't need to live in fear. We can live generous lives where we share with each other, bless each other. And in that sharing, we are built up and we are made happy. And then we can find the joy that we are called to find as followers of Jesus. May it be so in Jesus' name.